0: All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Yahoo Sports' Matt Harmon to talk the Falcons and fantasy football.
1: You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network. Your team every day.
0: So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years. You can find me on Twitter at Fans, and of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today we are joined by a special guest in Yahoo Sports fantasy football writer, Matt Harmon, has been a previous guest on the show We had him on many years ago talking about Calvin Ridley when the Falcons originally drafted him. I believe we had Matt on last summer to talk fantasy and whatnot. But Matt is always a great guest to share his insights and always love picking his brain in terms of determining sort of which guys are breakout candidates, which guys are you know potential busts and whatnot. And we will certainly focus a lot on Calvin Ridley, his breakout potential. We'll talk about the Falcons other sort of premium players at some of those key positions like Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage, and we'll also touch a little bit upon the murderer's row of wide receivers that the Falcons are facing this upcoming season that I've mentioned frequently on the podcast, as well as get into some NFC South talk with Tampa Bay and the Gronk Brady hype as well and get Matt's thoughts on that. So without further ado, let's jump into that conversation with Matt Harmon right now. Alright guys, you are locked on Falcons. Of course, I'm your host Aaron Freeman and today I am joined by none other than Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports. Matt, welcome back to the show, my friend. Aaron, thanks so much
1: for having me. Uh, we were talking before we got rolling here about how it's kind of been a weird summer, uh, but glad we're still uh, able to do this show and talk about uh, you know some exciting players on the Falcons. Uh, some guys that are still superstars, some guys that are on the come up. And of course, uh, you know, it's just a fun division right now, the NFC South. A lot of change, uh, but a lot of potential intrigue this coming season, too.
0: Yes, it is. And for those of guys that aren't familiar with Matt, he does fantasy football for Yahoo Sports. You can also check him out on Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. Thought you had an interesting chat with Greg Jennings, former NFL wide receiver last week. Listened to that podcast earlier uh, to prepare to talk to you. Um, And, you know, Matt, always enjoy talking with you because, you know, you are the biggest wide receiver nerd that I know. So, uh, (laughs) you know, it's one of those position groups that I also enjoy talking about. And on that note, we'll talk about sort of the big guy, not only in fantasy football, but in the quote unquote reality football in terms of guys that everybody's looking at to sort of be the breakout potential in Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley going into his third year. And I think it's interesting to ask you about him because when the Falcons originally drafted Calvin Ridley, I had you on the podcast way back in 2018 to talk about what Calvin Ridley was at Alabama and what he projected to be in the NFL. And sort of, you know, before we get into – Specifically, what are your expectations for him? Not only from a fantasy and and impact standpoint in 2020, sort of what have you looked at when you're watching Calvin Ridley over the last two years uh, to see his development? And has he developed into the player that you thought he was going to be when the Falcons originally drafted him?
1: Yeah, I mean, when the Falcons really originally drafted him, I thought it was just such a perfect fit for Ridley to kind of start his career because just getting to run across from a guy like Julio Jones, it's going to be such a tremendous advantage for a receiver like Calvin Ridley, whose game is mostly based on timing, separation, and everything like that. And that has been – apparent at the nfl level to just an insane degree uh, the charting series that i do reception perception which uh makes me such a wide receiver nerd as you so kindly put it and not wrong by the way <laughs> uh, like ridley has been a complete stud in there and for those who are not familiar with reception perception it's a series where i go in over eight games chart every single route that a receiver runs how often they get open on each individual route uh, whether they Are going to you know whether they get open versus man zone press everything like that so really trying to isolate the wide receiver from all the outside variables like the quarterback to play call you know whether the ball can get to them because the offensive line blocked well enough you know and on and on it goes so Ridley in that series has been one of the best route runners so far in the NFL Uh, he's a guy who has cleared the 95th percentile in success rate versus man coverage in Boeing in, 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 in his most recent season and was at the 93rd percentile, his rookie year. So obviously getting a lot of favorable matchups across from Julio Jones, but absolutely crushing his assignment at the same time, you know, and, and he's, he's a player who doesn't face a ton of press coverage because most of the d- defensive attention, most of the jams at the line are going to go to Julio Jones, but he's still up there at the 86th percentile against success rate versus press. So, just a full field player. I mean, I think that in a number two complementary guy, he's been exactly what I expected him to be at the NFL level, which was, you know, a detailed, nuanced route runner, a guy who can get open short, deep, intermediate, whatever you want. And he's really I think the one thing that's been surprising from him is I expected him to. I expect him to be a guy who could separate, you know, in the short levels and be sort of a possession receiver, but he's been much more of a big play guy that I, than maybe I expected. So that's what I think leads people to have a very active imagination in terms of what he can do this coming year in fantasy.
0: Now on that note of what he's going to be in fantasy, a lot of the conversation seems to be centering on him as one of the premier candidates to sort of be this year's version of Chris Godwin as that sort of breakout guy that ascends, you know, Godwin was what like a top 10 receiver last year. Um he was like the second number 2
1: receiver in half PPR formats okay. right behind uh, Mike, Michael Thomas. So, yeah, pretty good year. Yeah.
0: Okay, so top 10 is is not even giving him full credit for how good he was last season and sort of Ridley is, is been widely acclaimed as being sort of that guy. That's going to make a comparable leap uh, this upcoming season. And where are your expectations for what Ridley is going to be? Can he be that Chris Godwin type of player and that breakout superstar that so many people have been speculating on him?
1: Well, perfect answer there. I actually wrote a piece a couple of months ago, kind of trying to find the candidates to be this year's Chris Godwin and Calvin Ridley, I think, among that group is the most likely candidate because he combines everything that made Chris Godwin such a obvious breakout pick last year. And you know, I, I've been a Chris Godwin fan for a long time, and anybody that was a fan of him last year still wasn't projecting him to be the number two fantasy receiver last year. And I, I don't think that anybody's going to project Ridley to be the number two fantasy receiver this year, but. The point of all that is all the factors that made Chris Godwin such an obvious breakout candidate are certainly here for Calvin Ridley. Number one, he's going to get a ton of opportunity, and, and that's going to negate the fact that he plays across from an alpha receiver in Julio Jones, just like Godwin was playing across an alpha receiver in Mike Evans. They were both going to get enough uh, targets between the two of them because the rest of the depth chart at wide receiver from the Falcons is kind of a mess. There's not really anyone that's screaming as like, I'm an established number three receiver. You have some decent candidates there. Same thing with the Bucks. There was no guy beyond Evans or Godwin that was going to command, you know, 80 or 90 targets or something like that. So the, the passing offense was going to funnel through those two guys alone. I think the Falcons are set up pretty well in their wide receiver room to do that this year too. We also knew the Bucks were going to throw the ball a lot last year. We know the Falcons under Dirk Cutter have thrown the ball a lot this time that he's been in the offensive quarter and the previous time as well. So the pass volume is going to be there. And most importantly, and I think this is key, we knew going into this past season that Chris Godwin was verifiably good at football. Like if you watched him, you knew he was good at the game. And I think if you watch Calvin Ridley and you value the type of things that I do, like route running and separation and being able to be that type of playmaker across the entire field – you know that Ridley is verifiably good at the game. So he's the most obvious breakout candidate at wide receiver. And frankly, I think if he had been a little bit more healthy his rookie year or especially last year, I I think he would be too easy. You you couldn't even call him a breakout candidate because he would have already broken out. And I have a note from Reception Perception on this. You know, Reception Perception has now been going on for six years. I've been doing this since the 2014 season. So logged a lot of data, and at this point I know more now you know where where can we sort of set thresholds in order to predict these breakout receivers and it's right around the 80th percentile in terms of success rate versus man coverage you start to see the odds that you're going to become a breakout player be very very good there so among the 31 individual wide receivers to clear the 80th percentile in success rate versus man coverage since 2014 and you know 31 individual players that's out of like 250 that have been charted if you take out rookies from last year the only the only five guys who have cleared that 80th percentile not yet had a thousand yard season are number one Calvin Ridley again probably would have done it had he been healthy last year Sterling Shepard Curtis Samuel Anthony Miller and Willie Snead I think the only guy on that list who's like definitely not getting a thousand yards this year is Willie Snead I think all the other guys are candidates but again Calvin Ridley the most likely of all of those guys
0: well we're gonna continue to pick Matt's brain about sort of Calvin Ridley the Falcons fantasy other options in the passing game, as well as other topics on today's podcast. But before we get there, I should go ahead and plug the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast, where host Vinny Iyer is doing his thing to help you guys out in terms of getting prepared for this upcoming fantasy football season. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to us right now. Now guys, I know you're looking for the fantasy breakout players that I help you win your league this year, but why not check out the brand new breakout flavors that I help you win and maintain your diet this year by checking out the brand new six flavors over at builtbar.com. Built Bars, if you guys don't know, are great tasting protein bars that are low in calories and sugar, high in protein and fiber. They all taste great. They have 100% real chocolate in them. I'm a big fan of coconut, almond and peanut butter. But I'm looking out for some breakout candidates like Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barsia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp, all of whom who could be that breakout superstar, much like Calvin Ridley. As I add them to my rotation, and you can add them to yours by heading over to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and get $10 off your next order. Don't worry if you use that promo code back in May, you can use it again to get $10 off your next box. Again, use promo code locked on for $10 off your next order at builtbar.com. Now we've been talking about some of the breakout candidates for this upcoming year, but let's sort of turn our attention to some of the more established stars. And one of the things I've been harping on in the podcast over the last several months in regards to talking about this Falcon secondary, which has undergone a bunch of changes in recent offseason and is pretty young, is whether or not they're up to the task of facing some of these top end wide receivers that they're going to have to match up this upcoming season. And, you know, looking at your tier rankings in terms of the top three tiers of fantasy receivers that you have that are, you know, either established number ones or have the potential to put up number one type of production, you know, of the 16 guys in your top three tiers that aren't playing on the Falcons, because obviously Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are also in that mix. But of those 16 other receivers, 11 of those number one potential breakout guys are or established stars are on the Falcon schedule. So I'm curious from your perspective, are you looking at this sort of young Falcon secondary as like, you know, an opportunity to some of these top end wide receivers are, you know, are licking their chops from a a fantasy matchup standpoint.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, just for the last few years, it's been like, when you see the Falcons on the schedule, if you're like a daily fantasy player, um, you know, they're sort of the perfect target for you because, those games are so easy to stack up because the Falcon number one, the Falcons' offense is good, so they can keep pace. Like they're not just their their defense isn't going to be so bad that then teams can kind of run away and hide and then start just you know ground and pound and run the clock out or whatever. The Falcons' offense, being what it is, it, it, it is as Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and you know Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper in the past, like these guys could keep up with high-scoring offenses. So that actually adds to the intrigue there. But the defense in general has just been kind of a nightmare. Ever since that Super Bowl season, it's been something that they've sort of been chasing. And especially last year, it started, you could probably answer to this better than I could, but it seemed like last year, at the beginning of the year, like when Dan Quinn was kind of taking over as the the defensive coordinator, defensive play call, it seemed like it got got worse than ever until those responsibilities started to change as the year went on. And you know just from watching them it seems like this that that style of defense you know the sort of Seattle style that they want to run it seems like with teams being able to get the ball out quickly and everything like that or even if they go to more intermediate routes it just seems like a defense that's not it's not as much made to stop modern NFL offenses as much as it was to stop offenses sort of when the Seahawks were in their prime so i think the system in general is struggling not just in Atlanta but across the league I think that has been problematic in years past for them but you know the Falcons are just at a disadvantage because their division frankly is just filled with really good receivers I mean you have Michael Thomas in New Orleans and then you have DJ Moore in Carolina and I think that uh, Robbie Anderson and especially Curtis Samuel are still pretty good underrated players too and then obviously you have the duo in Tampa Bay so they're already at a disadvantage and I I think that in general it is definitely a defense that you know, when you see them on the schedule, if you're playing daily fantasy, you want to stack up against that defense and then you want to run it back with some Falcons players on the other side because you just have that much more of a higher ceiling because you know those games are going to come with a higher projected point total. So yeah, it's definitely a defense that whenever I see it on the schedule so far, it's been one to uh, been one to attack. And, you know, now you're right. They've got some of these, not even just teams with a great receiver on their schedule. Like I think Lockett and Metcalf by the end of the year, we could be talking about them as a top five wide receiver duo. I think Dallas is obviously just boasting a ton of players. Uh, Michael Gallup is a great ex-receiver. Cooper is really good at what he does. And, and CeeDee Lamb is my favorite receiver from the draft this past year. So, yes, yeah, definitely a tough row uh, for the Falcons there, that's for sure.
0: Now we were talking about Calvin Ridley and sort of the fact that he's going to get a large volume because he may not be necessarily competing with someone who's a clear cut sort of number three wide receiver. Um, but also the Falcons replaced Austin Hooper at the tight end position. Russell Gage seemingly is going to lock down at number three wide receiver spot for the Falcons. I'm curious, what are your thoughts not only on Russell Gage's potential as a, fantasy value, maybe latent drafts or maybe an in-season pickup, as well as what are your thoughts on sort of Hayden Hurst and his potential this upcoming season? Are you necessarily buying the idea that he could be just as productive or even more productive than what we saw from Austin Hooper in recent years? Yeah. Gage, I think,
1: is a guy that if you're drafting him, you're probably going to be in A deeper league, uh, something like, especially in a best ball league, you know, those go around 18 to 20 rounds. And it's not a situation where, if anyone's not familiar with with best ball leagues out there, that's where uh, the lineup is being submitted for you every week. Your highest scoring players are automatically your starting guys. You know, you're not picking and choosing. It's essentially you draft the team and then you forget about it, Uh, which it's just a lot of fun if you just really like to draft a ton of teams or whatever. I mean, it really does uh, scratch that itch for you. But I think Gage, in In that format is actually pretty interesting because like you mentioned, he's going super late, not really on the draftable radar, uh, but was productive in small spurts last year and I do think is, is the odds on favorite to be their slot receiver. And in that sort of situation, if you're looking for more of a secure guy that that probably is going to win a job and walk into maybe you know, 75, 80 targets, something like that, he's probably going to have a lot more security than other receivers going in that range. So certainly I think in that format he makes sense. Hurst is much more interesting to me because the tight end position we know is seemingly always in flux right? There's, all, there's always guys that are sort of on that radar. And this year especially, I mean, there are ascending players like Jonu Smith and Mike Gusecki that I'm, I'm high on as sort of later round guys. But Hurst is in that range too because he's walking into a situation last year where in 13 games Austin Hooper had 97 targets. Now, I'm not expecting uh, Hayden Hurst to be that productive, but he's certainly a guy that if you miss out on the big tight ends, you know, right now he's in My fourth tier of tight ends, along with guys like Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, the aforementioned Austin Hooper now in Cleveland, and Chris Herndon. So those are guys that I'm not expecting them to become every week tight end starters, but I am expecting them to be right on that fringe of guys that you're considering in good matchups. Those games where the Falcons are playing against good offenses and they're therefore going to have to throw the ball more. Hurst is going to get some volume in those situations. He's definitely a player that I'm interested in this year, uh, not as a premium like tight end starter every single week, but certainly someone that I'm willing to throw out there on a on a sort of case by case, week by week basis.
0: Now, I, I do want to pick your brain on another tight end in the NFC South. This is not Falcon related, but I, I noticed that you had Gronk pretty high on your tight end rankings. And you know, from my perspective, I guess I'm asking you to to sort of sell me on why you're higher on Gronk than maybe I am. But from my perspective, I'm not as high on Gronk having this this sort of monster season in Tampa Bay this year, in part because he's going to a crowded tight end room there in part because Bruce Arians, offense has never really been a unit that has highly featured the tight end position uh, in comparison to other offenses around the league. And simply, I didn't know I didn't, from my perspective, I didn't really think Gronk was, all that in his final year in New England um, mm-hmm. and won't necessarily have the benefit of the longevity they had in New England going to a new situation in Tampa Bay. So I'm curious sort of, you know, why are maybe you a little higher on Gronk and his potential in Tampa Bay this upcoming season? And maybe you can bounce that into, you know, your thoughts on the, on the Bucs in general this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, I think with the Bucks in general, and this is sort of a, a Gronkowski-related point, I think Arians, just by kind of allowing Tom Brady to go out there and just make the Gronk trade on his own. Cause if you read the reports, like that was pretty much all Brady kind of driving that ship. It was his idea. And Bruce Aaron just said, yeah, sure. Let's just go ahead and do it. Um, even though his, as you mentioned, his offense has never centered around the tight end position. It's typically been more of a three wide shoot it down the field type of situation. But I think Arians has already pretty much given into the fact that, that, they're going to run sort of the Brady show. I mean, it's going to be more let's adjust to Tom than make Tom adjust to the system because I don't know about you, man, but I don't know that I can ever remember more of an all in operation than the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they pulled Gronk out of like a cannabis uh, tour (laughs) retirement, uh, like selling CBD oil out there or whatever. Brady is at the end of the line. Uh, Arians is out of a health-induced retirement from a couple of years ago. I mean, this team wants to win, they want to win right now. And I think that is going to lead to Arians sort of kind of like I said, not taking a back seat, but definitely deferring to Brady on what he how he wants this offense to look and how he wants uh this offense to run. So I think that leads to just the point overall that they will be using tight ends more, but, you know, I actually have Gronk like kind of right around where he's going like ADP wise in fantasy, but actually I'm higher. If you just look at like the consensus rankings by all the fantasy analysts out there, I'm actually higher on OJ Howard than, than most of the consensus is right now, because I think Howard's still going to play a role here. I think he's the uh, Peter King reported that he thinks he's the favorite to be uh, the snaps leader for tight ends there. Now, I think Gronk could be third in terms of snap played, snaps played among the Bucks tight ends, but still be first in fantasy points. So I think that Gronk is a fine pick, but he's not a tight end that I've really gravitated to. And I think his range is going to be wild, man. Like, I think, you know, in casual drafts of people that just, like, they look at the name and then they, you know, click based on that, I think Gronk could go really high. Like, I've been in room, draft rooms where he's gone in the eighth, seventh round. I've been in others where he falls all the way to, like, the 11th or 12th. So his range is going to be wild. And for that reason, I put him pretty much just at the end of what I consider to be the tight ends that you're probably starting every single week. I think he's at the end of that group because I think Gronk's week-to-week ceiling will be very high because I do expect him – like. If he plays a few amount of snaps, it's going to be high leverage snaps, you know, third down, crucial situations in the red zone when they get to the goal line. So he could score a lot of touchdowns, not have a lot of catches, not have a lot of yards. So I think that's pretty much what you're looking at with Gronk. Very volatile pick, but a guy that I do think the range on him is going to be wild. I think I find myself somewhere in the middle and definitely willing to take a late-round flyer on a guy like O.J. Howard. I was in a draft just recently, and he went in the 18th round. Uh, And like there, I think that's like, that's just essentially free money. Like you're just, you're just playing with house money right there at that point.
0: So there's still more to come on today's Locked on Falcons with Yahoo Sports, Matt Harmon, talking about the fantasy outlooks for players like Todd Gurley, Matt Ryan, and Julio Jones. But why not get the outlook on next year's NBA draft by checking out the Locked on Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland, where you can get his reaction to the Hawks, Lottery pick on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple podcast, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to me right now. Now you talk about volatility and, you know, the Falcons have some tried and true fantasy uh, stars, Julio Jones being the prominent one. Matt Ryan's always been a pretty reliable uh, fantasy producer the last couple of years because, as you mentioned earlier, the high volume of the Falcons sort of passing the ball. Um, another player that once upon a time was an old, reliable fantasy guy was Todd Gurley. Obviously, there's a lot of questions surrounding Gurley. I'm curious to get your perspective on Gurley in addition to Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Um, but, you know, specifically with Gurley, how much of a concern is it to you that you're hearing terms like load management with how the Falcons are us- utilizing him in-, in practice so far?
1: Yeah, so... Um... I have Todd Gurley in my fifth tier of running backs right now. Uh, that's running back 19 to 23. So those are, you know, in a traditional fantasy league, those are guys you're starting. You know, if you're drafting a player in that range, you're probably going to want them to start for your team. Uh, I have that tier entitled in my running back tiers article, good luck to you, because that's David Johnson, Todd Gurley, David Montgomery, Leonard Fournette, and Le'Veon Bell. It, and, and I mean, all of those guys, like number one, questionable just in terms of like we can project those guys theoretically for a lot of volume but we don't know just how good any of these guys or in Gurley, Johnson, Bell's case like how good are they anymore like what type of gas do they have in the tank because if you're looking just at like to just think any player on paper the starting running back for the Falcons you want that player in fantasy because there's going to be a lot of pass volume, like we've mentioned many times now. They're going to be an offense that scores a lot of points, and you want your fantasy backs tethered to an offense that's going to score a lot of points. So from an on-paper perspective, I get the appeal of Gurley, but I mean, you said it, load management, the history of the arthritic knee, everything like that. I think there's a lot of risk when it comes to taking Todd Gurley, but it just pretty much depends like how risk-sensitive is the rest of your roster. If you're going running back heavy and you've taken – You know, let's say you've taken a Derrick Henry in round one and in round two, you've taken a Josh Jacobs, two pretty secure backs that you know are going to get a ton of volume. Then you come in round three and you see Todd Gurley and you're starting to think like, okay, maybe because I already have two established running backs, I can I can take the risk here. Or if you're going more of a wide receiver heavy format. Gurley could be your RB1. And if it works, it works. And if it flops, it totally flops. But you weren't expecting much from your running back position anyways, because you've gone wide receiver heavy. So I think this is sort of the thought process that you have to undergo with Todd Gurley. It's all about roster management, and how much sensitivity are you willing to have to that risk? Because there's no question that there's a ton of risk, but at the same time, there's also no question there's a lot of upside. If Gurley is, you know, even 80, 80% of what he used to be, where he's going in drafts is going to end up looking like a value.
0: And on Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, would your advice to all the Falcon fans and and fantasy football players, you know, keep taking those guys where you would normally take them in any given year, which has been basically consistently the same place the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, go for it, man. I mean, if you're a Falcons fan and, like, you want to have your favorite players on your team, you're you're, you're a, a fan of a team that it's good to do that with, right? Like, you're not a Jets fan. It's like, oh, I want a Jets player on my fantasy team. That's my, maybe not so great. Uh, Jones right now, I have him. And I think this is actually kind of off consensus, too, because I think everybody pretty much, like, expects Michael Thomas to be the top receiver. I have Adams as the top receiver. But I have Julio Jones as wide receiver three in the in that same tier because – we're getting excited about the volume potential for Calvin Ridley because this offense is going to throw the ball a lot. That's still going to mean Julio Jones is going to get a lot of targets too. Like again, the lack of a clear cut, you know, established I need a hundred plus targets wide receiver three just means that the ball is going to funnel to Jones and Ridley even more. And we shouldn't discount Jones at all just because he's sort of the known uh, commodity. I would say that it does seem like people are bored with Julio Jones in fantasy, like because it's like, oh, 1,300-plus yards every year uh, and you know six to eight touchdowns. But I love locking in that, and I think he actually could. At some point, he's going to have like, a monster multi-touchdown season again. It could be any year now because they do throw the ball enough. Uh, so those two guys, I think, are great picks where they're going, and they're set-it-and-forget-it type players.
0: Absolutely. Well, Matt, I appreciate all your insight here in terms of – things that, to think about with the Falcons as well as fantasy football this season. You've certainly helped me out in my drafting, in my money league. You know, your tier <laughs> nice. system has certainly improved my drafts. And, and I went from a guy that was finishing, you know, in six and seven place a couple of years ago. Last year, I was in the top four. I, f- I feel like I got a little job at the end of the season. Um, yeah, it happens, man. You know, as you know. And so, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I, I think your tier system is, is great. And, and certainly has helped me. And I, I, you know, for the two people that might be listening to this podcast that are in that league, you know, I'm coming for that crown this year, but <laughs> um, you know, let the people know sort of, if they want to sort of get on this bandwagon and, and sort of, you know, reap the benefits that I've already reaped so far uh, where they can find your stuff and, and what you got coming at Yahoo uh, in the next few days. Yeah, cheer, the Tears uh, Cheat Sheet is already on my
1: Twitter page, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can find it there. I'll also have – I have write-ups on every position right now. Uh, quarterbacks is dropping on Friday. So plenty of good stuff there for everybody to kind of dive into the reasoning. And the Cheat Sheet's uh, spreadsheet is totally, like, not Yahoo-affiliated, so I update it all the time. Uh, it, it's, it's up to the point of, like, when, when week one kicks off, that thing is staying updated. So, you know, if your draft is literally the day before football season starts, you're going to be good to go there. It's easy to print out. So you can cross it off. Everything I do that just for you all the people out there. (laughs) Uh, And if you do want to check out uh, anything reception, perception related, like I said, Calvin Ridley for Falcons fans is definitely a guy to go, and check out because you see just what type of star he is. Uh, the best place to find that is use the hashtag Reception Perception on Twitter or go to ReceptionPerception.com com to purchase
0: access. Absolutely, uh, all great content there, and uh, looking forward to you know uh, seeing what Ridley can do and the Falcons can do, and and some of these sort of breakout candidates in fantasy this upcoming season, and, and sort of who are going to be the clunkers at the end of the year. There's always a, a couple. Um, so uh, Matt, looking forward to having future conversations with you about, you know, all things football and fantasy wise, as well as quote unquote reality wise. And, uh, you know, I hope to get you back on sometime later this year or next year to revisit some of these topics that we discuss. Appreciate it, man. Would love to do that anytime. Always enjoy coming on the show. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good one. I'll see you. So, guys, there you guys have it with Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports. Check out his quarterback tiers rankings, which should be dropping today as you're listening to this over at Yahoo Sports. And, you know, I can't recommend it enough if you're like me and maybe not the world's greatest fantasy football player and you're struggling with your drafts and you're, you know, finishing at the bottom or middle of the pack in your league. I do recommend, you know, looking up Matt's. Tier rankings at various positions, and, and using that cheat sheet for your drafts as your draft prep, it's really all you need um, for you, you know the best draft prep. And I, I promise you, you know, it will improve your game this upcoming season. So definitely check that out. And uh, we will be back with more locked on Falcons content next week. Hopefully, have some guests on to talk a little bit more in depth about their observations in Falcons training camp. We'll probably have a mailbag Monday episode. Uh, as our next show. And so, you know, to get questions in for that show, of course, send them in via Twitter to Locked On Falcons, via Facebook to Locked On Falcons, or via email. Send those to Falcons at mail.com. And um, that's it, guys. Have a safe weekend. Have some, you know, fun in the sun while the summer, you know, starts to wane. Although, you know, these temperatures, I don't know. <laughs> we won't go there on today's podcast. That, that'll be on the Locked On Climate Change podcast. But, um, yeah, there there you guys have it. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe out there. Wear your masks, all that sort of stuff. And uh, we'll see you on Monday with a Monday mailbag episode. Until then, guys.
1: You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.